0: Let's face it, we
1: love homeschooling, but it can be a lonely journey. Depending on your location and your tribe, you might wake up one day to realize that you've spent the last three years in your house and not one of your children owns a real pair of pants. Except their church pants, of course. (laughs) If this is you, no shame!
0: We would really like to tell you about an option that you may not have even thought of, and that is a homeschool group. There may be several to choose from in your area, and if not, really and truly, maybe you need to consider putting your gifts to use and start one. In fact, today's guest is a mama who did just that. She's amazing. She successfully built a free social group that offers an incredible array of social activities for every age and
1: style of homeschooler or even school-at-home children, and the group is thriving. We are so thrilled to have Erin, the founder and leader of the NWF Share
2: Group
0: welcome. We are so grateful you're here with us. I cannot wait to pick your brain. Erin,
2: thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you guys. It's first time experience for me to be on a podcast. so It's a neat thing to try. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Hopefully we (laughs) won't turn you off of it from this first experience. (laughs) Hopefully you want to do plenty more.
1: The beginning of a long podcasting career. That's right. long
0: podcasting career.
1: You had no idea you wanted to do it till now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So start us off. Tell us a little bit about how the group came to life.
2: Okay. Actually, it came to be because about nine years ago, I would say that I would describe myself as somebody that If you asked me if I would ever homeschool, I would say absolutely not. I'm extremely social. I had a very positive school experience. I really enjoyed school. School was my happy place. I liked going. I participated in everything. I was on a lot of sports teams. And to me, this is going to sound a little rude. I'm talking about my past perceptions. I thought homeschool people were weird and that they... they were like too isolated. And anyway, it came up that my oldest daughter needed to skip a grade. We had tried a lot of other things. The school had tried supplementing her with stuff. They tried floating her up one grade for language arts and two grades up for math. It went really badly content wise, not a problem. Socially, it went really, really badly. I was very much against her skipping a grade because of a personal experience with my youngest brother having skipped a grade and it affected him socially. Not really in elementary school, but like later on in high school, it was really hard for him to be so much younger than everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I was really resistant to that. But when she was floating up, we had a lot of bullying problems. And it really surprised me because I didn't deal with that in school. I was like, no, just be friendly, be nice, you know, talk to people and try to understand them and, you know, whatever. But it was getting physical, it was every day. She was crying. I actually like talked to her pediatrician about it and they were talking to me about like depression medication. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I've got a third grader who's going to be medicated for depression because she just hates school so much, but she's so good at it. Like, what is going on? So Mm. it was actually the guidance counselor at her school who said, Hey, there's this thing it's called online school. And I was like, yeah, but if she's not doing good with people, Now, how is hiding her from being around people going to make that any better? And she said, consider trying it for a little while and then coming back. Like, just give her a break, right? Just give her a break. And I was like, okay, I mean, when we're at the point where we're talking about medical intervention, I'm like, I'm going to try anything. So I was really super not into it. I was like, I don't understand reinventing the wheel. I didn't have a problem with the school. I liked the teachers for the most part. We had some problems, like one of her teachers, like she changed classrooms, but it it just wasn't, I wasn't anti-school and I felt like Mm -hmm. homeschool was an anti-school thing. Yeah. So uh, my very first experience was in online school. She was going so fast through the track that she was like getting too far ahead. So we started to do some of her stuff off grid where I'm actually teaching it. And I loved it. Like, I loved it. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, we can talk about literature. And it was just really, really, really fun. Again, the social part, though, I was worried about. So that was a really long-winded way of saying my kid had to skip a grade. And the only problem I saw with homeschool once I realized, like, actually how much fun it was, was the social aspect, because I wanted her to be around people. I didn't want her to be around all the same kinds of people. I wanted Mm -hmm. her to have experience with diversity. I wanted her to have like not be around people she hates that are treating her badly, but you should be able to be around people that aren't just your best friends. That's a personal Mm -hmm. belief of mine. So that social give and take. Also, the thing I was the most upset about, as ridiculous as it sounds, is I love the Valentine's exchange. I don't know why I have always really liked it I like that you decorate your shoebox and then you get to put Valentine's in. And I tried to do it with her and she was like, this is dumb. And I, was like, okay. so I was like, we need people. So it was like actually one of the first events for the homeschool group. And I started the homeschool group for Ella. She's my oldest daughter. I ended up homeschooling my other kids because I loved it so much. The homeschool group went from one or two times a week to four times a week with all different stuff. Tuesdays are more for older kids, Wednesdays are more elementary, Thursdays are field trip, Fridays dance and theater because I teach both of those things anyway. So then that kind of just got incorporated into the group as well. Really long answer to how did this come about? It came about because it was basically a necessity in my opinion. It grew because it is actually a necessity. A lot of people who homeschool or are worried about homeschooling say the same thing to me. They're like, oh, no, but they're going to be so weird. And I'm like, they can be weird in a good way and share their weirdness socially. Yes. Like we can be ourselves, but also we don't have to hide. We can have friends. We can have people that maybe they're not our friends, but we're interacting with them and we're learning from that. And that's really important for development.
1: So your first activity then was the Valentine's Day boxes.
2: Yeah, we actually did some other crafts leading up to that. But our first one where I was like, okay, it's actually picking up steam. I think a lot of people missed the Valentine's exchange. I think a lot of people that started homeschooling were like, oh, either I remember this as a kid if they've always homeschooled or they missed it if homeschooling became a thing for them. And it had a really big response. And Mm -hmm. I remember it was a really big response because I spelled Valentine's Day wrong on the banner and blamed it on the kids. (laughs) So that really stands out in my brain. I was like, oh my gosh, there's like 20 people here. And my daughter was like, you know, Valentine's is spelled with an E or an I or whatever it is. I was like, oh, no. So I landed on it.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's how
2: you know you found your people. Like, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, you know? Actually, that tickles me to pieces because that's one of the things that I've run just between our families because that's something that I really missed. I missed doing yeah. it myself, but I also missed seeing my kids because it's just something so fun. And there's just something special about getting little notes in a tiny mailbox you made. I don't know. It just makes life better, I think.
1: I just love Valentine's
0: Day. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, it really does. And one thing I think that is a little bit different about the group that you have is that it does have activities that cater to older children, Yes, which Mm -hmm. is something
2: you don't see. Yes. yeah. Getting older kids to come to group took more time than the younger kids because the younger kids stuff is very cute and the adults kind of want to see it and they want to take pictures of it. The older kids Mm -hmm. stuff is really hard. The older kids stuff started with middle school age and it's definitely grown into high school age as well. Like we actually have, we have members that are like 19, but it started more with that seventh, eighth grade crowd, Mm -hmm. which 100% is like the hardest crowd to reach Mm -hmm. because I think the parents start to maybe believe that as they grow in self-sufficiency, they also maybe don't, they can make some of their own decisions. So when they're saying, I'm fine, I don't feel like it, maybe the parents listen to them and they're like yeah okay you don't feel like getting out today that's fine they're not driving them there and being like no we're doing this handprint cutout because <laughs> you know I'm, i need a break you know yeah. because they don't necessarily need the break from the older kid because the older kids kind of right. doing their own stuff but as you see the older kids warm up to the group you see how much they were missing that social interaction how surprised they are at the group that that social interaction is so positive like i've seen a lot of them and I'm not I'm not knocking public school but there is a lot of bullying stuff and we have very zero tolerance in our group for that because it's kind of mm-hmm. like you don't no one has to be here so you kind of have you have to meet a standard of behavior to be here so mm-hmm. when they come in and they're being kind to each other and they they start to realize like they're sharing writing at writer's group and everyone's kind of cool about it. And they're like, Oh, yeah, you know, and they can relax and start to be themselves without that really high level of self consciousness and self protectiveness from the cool bullying stuff. You really see them come out of their shell, you really see like some really unique people, which is the joke earlier about being weird. They're not weird. They're just actually who they are. And I love it. I tell people all the time, we have the nicest middle school to high school kids that you will ever meet. And they're not the same. There's a huge group of kids that are very different in their interests, in their humor, like all of this stuff and very, very positive. That's amazing. Well,
1: it is. And you see, because we've been there, like you see older kids interacting with younger kids, which I think also is a huge, like... For my 12-year-old son to see a 16 or 17-year-old boy get up and share his writing with the group, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's an incredible example. Yeah, and it's yeah. encouraging for younger boys to be like, oh, well, maybe writing isn't so awful, because mm-hmm. if you have a
2: young boy, you know writing is hard.
0: Maybe writing isn't just for girls.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Or dancing. Yes. I don't know if you, you guys have seen our boys' ballet. It's not girly. And it's and there's a lot of them. And we have half of our parade dancers are boys and it's not girly. They're doing lifts and none of them had prior dance. They're all like, I can't do this. What is this? And then they're like, I'm just going to do something fun. And then they find themselves like really, really liking it. No, they're not. They have no intention of being professional dancers. They're not going to go take dance class. They're just doing something fun socially that they did not see themselves doing before, mm-hmm. and it's just that opportunity. But when you said about the age mixing, that's that was very important to me too. We have a little bit of divide with Tuesday and Wednesday, but on Tuesday, the younger siblings are able to come and they just go play at the park, and that's more because the activity needs to be for the older kids sometimes. Because right. if they come and they see handprint craft, they're gonna be like, "Okay, this is I'm not doing this." Yeah. But that age mixing is so much more like real life than when you go to school and you're divided mm-hmm. by grade when I graduated high school and all of a sudden my coworkers are like 40 and I'm like oh wow it's so weird I'm like friends with a 40 year old it's like that's actually way more like real life because there's age mixing in the workforce. There's age mixing at any other like social outlet except for school, we kind of divide by that because the lesson is supposed to be catered toward that. But we find in the homeschool group a lot the older kids helping the younger kids helps both sides. Mm-hmm. The older kid is learning a whole bunch of stuff about patients. They're reframing stuff for younger kids it's it's really cool and
0: i think that socialization in a large part regardless of your personality is a skill and you see that they get to work on that again and again and again and i love that you said you've got these boys who are in the dance group and i think that that speaks very much to what a wonderful safe place that you've created for children to be unique and who they are and not afraid of being bullied for them not to be afraid of what other people will say or what other people will think. And I think that in large part speaks to who you are and how you have brought that out in the group. Thank you.
2: That is really important to me because like I said with the, with the dance example, I don't have any boys who have real dance aspirations that I know of right now. All of those boys are trying something out of their normal comfort zone because it's cool mm-hmm. to be open-minded and just try something different. And who cares if you're amazing? A lot of them are, in my opinion, they're really good at it, but they're not doing it because they're serious about dance. They're doing it because they're okay to try things that aren't who they are necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just going to try this because nothing bad's going to happen, right? We also have a flag football team a lot of them are the same guys. And I just keep using that example because I've worked at ballet studios and dance studios and we've always struggled to get guys to come and try it despite it being an extremely athletic thing to do Mm -hmm. and that's just one example of people coming out of their comfort zones i i see it at cosplay game board day where they come the first time and they see other people dressing in cosplay stuff and they're like wow no one's getting made fun of for being a nerd it's like they're getting to just do their thing and Mm -hmm. be who they are they come and they don't they're not into costumes so they just play the board games and that's totally fine too Or with writing, they don't consider themselves a strong writer. So they, you know, they hated writer's club, but then they came on the day that we were teaching them how to pass notes in class you know, because that's an important pastime that they may not get to experience. So we make it fun. And also we never really like lose sight of the fact that the real point of this is socialization and coming out of your comfort zone in one way or another, whether you're a public speaker or not, because not everything is dance and theater with us, but it's really important to challenge yourself so that when the stakes are higher in the real world, you can handle these things as they happen.
0: One thing I find really unique about your group too that I haven't really seen anywhere else is the fact that everything that you do is free for your participants. So I would really like for you to tell us kind of what led to the decision to make everything free and if maybe that's been hard to stick with in any way and how in the world you make that work. (laughs)
2: So yes, it has been and that is like 100% the core value of this group. I personally don't like have and have not which is a big part of school, whether we want it or not. It's like there's the kids that have all the like the fancy stuff and there's the kids that can afford the dance competitions and then the kids that can't. So our group, in a way, will always be self-limited by the fact that we don't charge any fees. We can't do a lot of... I'm not trying to Say Pinterest in a negative way, but we can't do some of that stuff because we can't afford those materials. A lot of our stuff is Mm going to be like recycled materials. Like we had Box Fort Day one day, and we just needed everybody to bring boxes. And then we played with the boxes and we made these amazing box forts. And then we used them for all of our set pieces for our theater stuff. So we get really creative with how to get the materials. I won't ever pressure or fundraise. I just, I don't, I don't like that stuff. I'm not a billionaire. I just work with nothing. And, and I am going to share the knowledge that I have to kids without charging fees. Our dance recitals don't look as fancy. We have homemade tutus or we have whatever costume the parents want to provide because we're not going to collect money and charge money and buy these amazing tutus and whatever. If you can afford that, that already exists right? You can go and you can go do that. But Mm -hmm. this is going to be dance for people who maybe they can afford it, but the people who can't afford it aren't going to feel outed, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody can be here and they can be a part of it, whether or not they would have been able to pay for all these things. It is important enough to me that that is why we ended up establishing as a non-profit share a piece of personal information. I had a um, tumor in my skull three years ago, and there was a point where they thought it was ewing sarcoma. They told me about it, and they were really concerned that I was going to have a really, really, really short amount of time before I was not going to be alive anymore. Oh my god! So I was highly motivated to establish NWF Share as a nonprofit because it was that important to me that if something happened to me and I was gone, I needed it to not ever become monetized. I would rather it disappear than go from what it is right now to being a money-making thing because once again, that already exists. There are groups that do charge money, there are groups that make money and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's a business. Everyone's out there, you know, just trying to hustle, trying to get their, you know, groceries paid for. <laughs> Yeah, groceries paid, their bills paid, right? Like there's I'm not trying I'm definitely not trying to demonize small business either. It's just that as much as the small businesses struggle, so too do the the parents of homeschoolers, Mm -hmm. because usually you're making some kind of compromise. Someone is homeschooling, and that's gonna affect your schedule and the number of hours that you can spend collecting resources. Yeah. So the monetization part of this is extremely important to me, circling back it will self-limit the group. We won't do as fancy of stuff, but I have not Mm -hmm. felt lacking in that stuff because the content is there. The kids are there. The kids are participating. They're making it fun when all we're doing is using scrap paper to do things. We're very, very creative with our activities. And since it's mostly about the social aspect and not the product outcome of like whatever we're making with the crafts it doesn't matter. It hasn't mattered. Mm-hmm. Our theater is modest, but the content again is there.
0: That's incredible.
2: We have seven kids
0: and We are often very, very tight on budget because I'm a stay-at-home mom. So we just have my husband's income. And it has limited in a very large way the extracurricular activities that we participate in because it's not very easy to just put just one child in something. And even just one child in something is pretty pricey nowadays. And it adds up really quick. So quick. And it's never, this is just the cost you pay. It's like you said oh, they could be a dance, but then there's recitals and there's tutus and there's a different outfit and there's special shoes and there's special bows. And don't forget, you have to participate in this fundraiser. So there's always more to the story. And I was really, really impressed when I first talked to Tiffany and she was explaining about your group. And I was like, wait, they can just come, (laughs) but how much does it cost? And she's like, no, they can literally just come. Like it's all there and everything. I'm so just in awe of what you've pulled together and the foundations that you've built it on. I just, you're amazing. Just, just as a general (laughs)
1: shout out to you, you are amazing. Well, and that brings up a good thing too is
2: that you're not taking attendance either. I don't, I don't take attendance because with us again, because we're not a co-op, we're a social group. Socialization should come second to academics in my opinion. So and not just academics, but like life. So, if you wake up that day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm in the worst mood, I'm whatever, and you can't show up for group, I don't wanna chase you down. I'm probably having a similar day. And I don't wanna require people to attend a certain amount of times because it should serve your homeschool journey like the way that it actually serves it. It should never feel like an obligation, it shouldn't feel overwhelming. I want it to be the kind of thing where like, if you only want to come for the Valentine's exchange, that's fine. You know, like if that's what you want to do, then we have members that come four days a week and they're literally at everything. And that's cool too, because they feel supported and they feel like it's a break in their day and they want to do that. And, and sometimes they use a lot of the stuff that we're doing in their portfolio and they have that a spread and that helps them. But I don't really know how anybody keeps track of the attendance stuff. I wouldn't be able to, and I really don't want to. And I do want people to prioritize their home and their own life. I want them to be like, you know what, we're going to go to the beach by ourselves today, or we have this conflict or whatever. We, I think as parents we're pulled in so many directions anyway, I never want to be a source of that stress. When I have parents who volunteer their skills and their time I also really try to prioritize that to them because the reason they're amazing is because we don't do burnout. If you have a day where you just need to not be there, other people need to be understanding of that, and they usually Mm -hmm. are. And it all comes back to the value of what homeschool is, which is prioritizing your home and your family first, then all the other stuff, as long as it's adding to your day.
1: Well, and that being said, Brittany and I have tried to run like moms groups. Okay, Brittany runs them. I just kinda come up with ideas, but <laughs> getting people to show up has always been a difficult thing when it comes to moms, I think a lot of times, or to read the book.
0: The because <laughs> we've yeah. done book studies. We've done book studies and everybody would show up
1: and we're like, Did anybody read it this week? Nobody read it. <laughs> no. Never I didn't either half the time. So <laughs> sure. but the fact that a lot of people do show up you know there are a lot of people showing up it's like I think some sort of alchemy a secret sauce that exists within a group like that mm-hmm. that can get people coming back over and over again and just really feeling like part of a community you know part I think of a it's community. largely
0: that that you're not feeling guilted to attend and you're not feeling pushed to burnout in attendance yeah I think that that. Just hearing all of that, I'm like, oh, those are my people. (laughs) That's a group I can actually be a part of and have it not be something that is one more drain on my capacity. Because homeschooling is my top priority, but then there are many priorities that also come with that as well. So it is hard to be like, okay, where can I fit one more thing that's multiple times a week? And in the groups that we've looked into the past, Groups that we've been a part of, the, re- the requirements <laughs> of them have been so high that that I've always just stepped back, and it's one of the reasons I've been so hesitant to join her in anything because I was like, I just don't feel like I have the capacity more to give, and and I think a group like this is almost a unicorn. It is a unicorn. You are a unicorn, Erin. Oh, <laughs> running a group like this and having the reasons that you've built into this at its core, the moral foundations and everything that you stand by. I think that that is what is the secret sauce of this group and why it draws people in and why it draws mothers to want to volunteer for things like that. On the note of all of that, just speaking logistically, you still homeschool your kids, but you run a phenomenally well-done group that meets multiple times a week. How do you handle your own homeschooling versus being
2: at so many events and everything? So schedule-wise, we start in the morning at 8, and then we run school until 10. And that's why I actually... You'll notice if you look at the homeschool group, pretty much all of the events start at 1030. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is if I made them start at 10, I would forget to be there. (laughs) So right at 10 o'clock, I go, oh, no, I have to get in the car. And then... I get in the car and I'm there by 10:30 for most things. And then from 10:30 until about lunchtime is a group event. Then we come back home for lunch and then we finish our afternoon doing our school catch up. Two of my kids are in dual enrollment, so I've tried to keep their college classes in the evening or afternoon. Mm-hmm. So far we've been lucky. So that's the concrete of the schedule. And then as far as how do you do all that stuff again? I constantly remind myself that my my first value is my own homeschool, my kids, my school. I'm focused on that first. The group events have to not be stressful. They have to be things I want to do. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of a, I do like crafts. I do like science. I love Writer's Club. I'm actually surprised how much I like Writer's Club because I was like, I'm never going to set a timer <laughs> and do like an essay. Like that's, that was my own mm-hmm. attitude going in. Just, it really helps me deal with that age group in writing. So I make it fun. I make it something mm-hmm. I want to do. I make it that when I go, I'm excited about it. I have this egg project. Have you guys seen the egg project? Yes, I'm so I'm excited. I'm so excited about the egg project. We have such a cool group of kids that age and I cannot wait to see what they do with those things and how funny that's going to be. So as long as I'm making events and things that I'm excited about, I don't take a lot of, that's going to sound so bad. I don't take a lot of suggestions because when someone's like, we should do this, like this math project. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't <laughs> want, I don't, I don't ever want to do events that I have that feeling about. Mm-hmm. Cause if I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that, but we should do it to be well-rounded If you have to talk yourself into doing something, then it's not adding to your cup anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you're not excited about it. You're kind of dragging through it. I don't actually do hardly anything like that, that I feel like makes me unhappy. So my box program stuff for my homeschool at home is going to be math because I just I don't like math like mm-hmm. I personally I'm proficient I can do it but I don't I don't do math and go like yay <laughs> so that's me I know there are people that do and thank goodness that there are people out there that do that but I just kind of I'm just like okay here's the book we're got to do this amount today and I just exit off because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have the energy if it's not something that we're having a good time at and we do have a good time at the homeschool group stuff is just, is so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's not doldrum stuff. We have fun field trips. We have fun projects and the kids make it fun. So that's how. Keep it fun. Do stuff you want to do. I think that's
0: extremely valuable. And I think that it's hard because there can be a lot of outside pressure whenever you're running anything, <laughs> as we both well know. And it's very hard not to feel that pressure or for it not to become something where you're just trying to appease a lot of different people. And I think that's extremely valuable for other mamas to hear too, that you get to run a group the way that helps you thrive and continue running the group. You don't have to take into consideration everybody's wants and everybody's opinions.
2: And as much as that doesn't sound very harmonious, it's actually true because, and I think homeschool moms really need to do that. They have to realize they can't, if you can prioritize your home life and your home kids, you start being able to more comfortably- say, no, I can't accommodate that mm-hmm. right now. No, I can't I can't necessarily be there. I can't take that on right now because this does come first. It does feel very important. It is very important. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to say, even though saying no is the whole thing that I feel like people should get better at in general, but it, it does feel, to me, it's always felt really comfortable to say, no, I, I got it because it does feel so important to homeschool. Mm-hmm.
1: So what I'm hearing also though, And what I've seen from you, because you probably don't remember, but Anna was in dance where you were teaching, I don't know what it's called, you hang from ribbons? In the ceiling, silks. silks. Yes, but what I <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yes, but we saw no, you so guys much- were yeah. always coming in as we were leaving, and our ballet career was very very short lived. <laughs> she probably wouldn't have made it to the recital if I had not like been like, okay, well, we committed to this. You're five, <laughs> I understand, but you committed to something. So you, anyways, that's all. Bye. But- yeah. I heard this on a School A Sisters podcast, and it was like a mind-blowing moment for me. I've probably said it way too many times in this podcast series, but you are the student that's going to be in your homeschool the longest, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you're the teacher also, but we're always learning with our kids, And it sounds to me like what you've done with the group probably is also translated into what you're doing at home, which is pursuing things that actually interest you Mm -hmm. and you can be excited about them. And in turn, that can get your kids excited about obviously not all of them because kids are kids and you've probably got several different personalities. But that could translate for another homeschool mom. If she's not going to run a group, even in her own homeschool, there's some permission to do things that you actually enjoy, right? Just do what you want to do. Yeah, for sure.
2: Like you had said, the aerial silks. So we can't teach aerial silks with a homeschool group because of the self-limitation of money. And we would definitely need insurance for that and a bunch of stuff that we can't (laughs) afford. But after my health issues resolved, which they did, I then was able to to have the opportunity to be in Cinderella at the Northwest Florida State College Broadway production of Cinderella, and both girls were dancing on stage in that. And I got to do the aerial soaks. I was the aerial silks person in that show. And like you're saying, it went from this little thing that we we're doing, and then it just like became our life. And it has evolved so much. My daughters are now a lot older than when we started homeschool. But yeah, and it's, it's following those passions and not accommodating so much other stuff like we get asked for things all the time and most of us being good people you you want to accommodate and you want to help and you want to include as many Mm -hmm. people as you can so if another mom was going to go start a homeschool group I I would say on this line start with the thing that you won't ever not want to go do So like aerial soaks is the kind of thing where like I could be so tired and like so other exercise, I'd be like, oh, I'm tired today. I don't feel like it. But aerial soaks I can do for hours and hours because I'm like, I love it so much. You should start a homeschool group around whatever it is that you won't have a hard time getting up and going to do because you'll feel like this is my break. I want to go do this thing. And then people will be attracted to that when you're trying to get people to show up. Because other people will either be like, yeah, I want to try this thing or I like seeing other people that like really like these things, right? Like there's a lot of people at Cosplay Game Board Day that aren't hardcore cosplay Pokemon people, but they get sucked into that energy and they want to keep coming to it because of the positivity. So if you were starting a group and you were going to start smaller, start with, I mean, maybe you love sewing start a homeschool sewing group. Just be like, hey, we'll find a space and we'll do this thing and we'll see if other people share that interest. That's such good advice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, it really is. Is there anything else you would tell them as far as logistics go for how to get started? Have you found that Facebook is the best place to house everything or is maybe email is better? So
2: I am super not technology. I don't really like scroll stuff i don't have a lot of apps facebook is just one that i had because i have a lot of -of out-of-town family so i kind of was like well this is something i can figure out so i made a group with that i have constantly had people ask me hey I don't like Facebook because of this reason or that reason. Can you accommodate this and send it out by email? And like, there's been times where I'm like, oh, that stinks because, you know, they don't like social media. And I, I don't, I understand that because I'm not really into social media. I have like no friends, which sounds bad, but I am a real person, not a bot, but I don't have a ton of people that I don't know in real yeah. life or whatever, but I can't logistically do that because then you're going through like all these different platforms and then they want you to be on the band app and they want you to do this and that. If that works for someone who that just is their strength, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like if you're like one of those people that's like, no, I love apps and I like this communication and I want my phone to ding. (laughs) That's fine. That's actually, that's definitely a strength because with any group that you're making, communication is going to be key. I would give the same advice that I gave to the other thing is just like, do the thing that you're going to be okay doing. Because if I had to manage multiple platforms, it wouldn't get managed. Mm -hmm. I'd have a lot of stuff lost. I'd have a lot of people not having any idea what was going on. Because basically, I can only really remember to do it on one platform. And that's the reason I'm not super pro Facebook or social media or anything. It's just that that happened to be the one that I understand. And again, there's some self limitation to that because there's people who are not going to they're not going to do it and hopefully they get communication from their friends that are in the group and can handle hey like I'm just going to text my friend mm-hmm. this thing I don't pretend that I can handle juggling that much cuz I won't I'll drop the ball on it and I'm I go back to the being overly accommodating is going to make it really really difficult and then you get into a situation where you're not doing a very good job with it and then you're kind of dealing with all the backlash of that mm-hmm. I do feel like Facebook and the internet provides a platform for some people to be mean in a way that they would Mm -hmm. not be mean in real life. And definitely since starting this group, I have toughened my skin a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just delete stuff when I I read the preview and I'm like, (laughs) so I just delete it. I don't know that email would be any better. Unfortunately, the internet gives people... A feeling of being anonymous that doesn't really Mm -hmm. exist and they're not necessarily thinking that somebody else is on the other line or on the other side like opening the message they're not picturing their facial expression as they read this and they're like what what ouch Mm -hmm. maybe they're not thinking through all that maybe they don't have like that impulse control moment before they hit send or whatever and that does that comes Mm -hmm. up a lot i mean it really does you would think like, what are what are you so mad about when it's free? But there's always somebody that's going to be kind of mad or mm-hmm. negative. So that would be the negative side of the platform that we're using, but fell into it. And yes, it has downsides, but it's working.
0: Well, and I think it's valuable too for people listening to understand that no matter how good of a thing you offer, there can always be people who do not appreciate what's offered and take out frustrations on you or towards you. Even if it's not even what they're actually upset about. And I think that is really hard when you're when you're dealing with a group, we ran a mother's group, and there were always different things that we had to be removing or soothing over and and trying to help people in and through things. (laughs) And that is a very real part of running any group. I don't think it was a deal breaker in any way because there's so much beauty you see from it as well. But I do think it's something to be aware of. And I think that you just almost, and maybe you would disagree, but I think that toughening your skin really just happens over time. Yeah. Like You just learn how to guard your heart a little bit more and maybe put a little bit more understanding towards other people who seem to be lashing out yes. because they... Are anonymous or because they're obviously hurting about something else.
2: Yeah. And I've had some really positive experiences where I didn't immediately react emotionally. And then the person had a little bit more time to consider their communications. And then it ended up turning out really well. So it's not even that you just toughen up and you just start taking all of this like abuse or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes out really well in the end. And then if it doesn't you definitely have to have standards for how much you can take it's not incumbent upon you to get so tough that you can just take anything people want to throw at you kick people out you know block them don't <laughs> don't take that like because it's because you're yeah. not a punching bag and you are trying to do yeah. something nice And, you know, whether it's a mom's group or a homeschool group or whatever the social group is, the point of a social group is that there are standards for the behavior included in the group. So if the person is not going to meet those standards, they're not going to make it in the group. Right. Like mm-hmm. if we're going back to like primitive consideration of the group, if you're, you know, walking around clubbing people with the club, you <laughs> might not be included. Right. Yeah. In <laughs> it might lead to a weird analogy, but yeah. yeah.
1: You're going to be the one they throw to the bear. That's right.
2: Yeah. Well, you're going to, yeah, you're going. Like you're not, because they're not, because the social stuff is an exchange and like, yes, mm-hmm. people have a bad day, right? Like everybody has bad days, stuff happens, but you got to have standards for what you're going to allow to detract from your day as well. So when I joked about deleting messages, I think before I definitely took too much responsibility for the communication. So I was like, well, I have to at least read this message. I have to at least know what they're saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's way too distracting. I can't always give all of those things the t- the attention that they're demanding, because if they're not communicating in a way that's going to be reasonable or polite yeah you're fruitful or like if I'm like okay well we've already we've not met the the first standard is that I don't want something that's going to make me so upset that now I can't quite get back to the lesson that we're doing or I can't focus on that because now I feel like I, I need to argue back to this thing or I've got to settle this dispute between people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my advice to someone that was trying to start a group like that is just that if you're having to toughen up so much that it is distracting you from your core value, which should be your homeschool and your home, then it's too much. Mm-hmm. That's how you know the balance between someone's had a bad day versus you're being over accommodating and now This is destructive or not going to work anyway. I mean, that's fair. I think that's good advice. Yeah.
0: I love that you brought to light some of the reasons behind why you start the group, because I think that that's very powerful for other moms who might be considering starting a group might help them to consider things they've never really considered or thought of.
1: So now we hopefully it's all right if we just ask you some fun questions that we kind of round these podcasts out with. Sure. All right. The first one is, what is your mom's superpower? And we've heard that a mom's
0: superpower is napping. <laughs> a mom's superpower of being able to find anything anywhere. Another mom told us that her superpower was being able to get a bargain on everything.
2: I think my mom's superpower used to be one of my worst traits, so, <laughs> but it it became very useful when I became a mom. I can laugh at almost anything. There's been times where that has been very awkward. Yeah. But when, so the the misconception that laughing at something is necessarily accepting it or not addressing it is not true. You can laugh at something and the kid can still be in trouble. And mm-hmm. there's different laughs. So there's some laughs where the kid's like, oh no, you know, but being able to laugh at things has kept me from being Too stressed out to where it's damaging or it becomes a problem. My husband used to be in the Marines and I've had serious health situations and I've had, you know, serious. Like when my daughter was dealing with bullying, we've had stuff happen, not not that everything has always been easy, but when you find a way to add humor to situations, it definitely breaks that tension inside and it and it helps. So my superpower is I can think something that's totally not funny is funny in some way, some kind of dimension. It's a little bit funny. That's a gift. That is a gift.
0: Tiffany has that <clears throat> gift also. I'm working on that gift. <laughs>
2: Okay.
1: So the next one, if you could go back to one stage of motherhood and tell
2: yourself one thing, what stage would you go to and what would you tell yourself? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I know the answer to this. Mommy and me classes? Mm. No, no, no not necessary, not real. Yes. It doesn't have to happen at once. Sorry. I'm, and I know dance studios and stuff are going to hate me for that. Um, and I know like small business, whatever. I very much support small business, Preach. but there was a point in my life. There's a day in my life where one of my daughters was 18 months and the other one was like just over two. And I tried to do a mommy and me gymnastics class and it was so horrible the ages. Now that we've like survived that age, we can look at that and realize that there's nothing wrong that you can't make your 18 month somersault. Okay. I had two of them together and I was trying to do this. And I left that class so humiliated and so embarrassed that my kids were like rolling around on the ground and they weren't super interested in it. And I couldn't make them like somersault or like whatever. I'm like, I'm a dance teacher. Like, why can't I do this? And if I could go back in time and tell myself, that it all turns out fine and the pressure to do these like kind of like extracurricular things or even even academics right like even like being like oh man my kid's not reciting all 50 states and they're you know whatever like take that pressure off be consistent try new things and be open-minded but the pressure to do things so young and so early is just it's it's in your head and if I could say that to myself on that day at gymnastics and mm-hmm. give myself a hug and be like, just don't don't ever pay for that again. Right. Like, why did you pay to go do that? Like, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> just like when your kid's old enough to do it themselves, then then they're actually getting something out of it. That's just how I feel about it. But uh, yeah, mommy and me classes. Bleh, don't do it. That is awesome. <laughs> I
0: love that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, OK, what are four things your friends or family would say you're good at?
2: multitasking, following through. So when I say I'm going to do something, I do it even if I don't do it very well. Um, Telling the truth, even when it's really, really awkward. Four things. Lists. I know that was an ironic one to end on, but I really like making lists, like writing a list of things to the point where my second to youngest son, one time they had like brown paper to wrap my, I I can't remember if it was a birthday or Christmas, but he was like decorating it and he, was trying to think of things I like. So he started writing lists on it because I write lots of lists. So I'm good at lists. That's what my son would say.
0: That, that is awesome. And probably silks from what we've heard. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> silks.
2: yeah oh yeah. They would say I'm, I'm good at like, yeah, those things too. Yeah. Oh, that is wonderful. Okay. So then finally, what is something that makes your family special? There's a lot of things that make my, my family special. I could probably talk another hour on that. I think they're amazing because each one of my kids and my husband compared to me are all so different personalities and yet I would say they're they're perfect in their way. So like to have two daughters that are so different from each other but are both perfect is really unique to me. Maybe a lot of moms feel like that. We have a lot of different interests. We have different ways of dealing with conflict. We have different ways of handling stress. But we're really all open to our differences and supportive of that. So that's Mm -hmm. really special to me
0: that's awesome yeah that's so beautiful that's wonderful (laughs) okay well we won't keep you any longer thank you so much for being here for being so open to talk about the group and to share so much of your hard-won insight from the beginning of why you started it all the way through to the reasons that have kept you going and everything we
2: really appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) yeah well thank you guys for having me it was fun
0: It is such a gift to have a fellow mama on the podcast with us, especially when she is doing big beautiful things in the community. We are so appreciative for having Erin with us. Here are your takeaways from the episode. When it comes to socializing our homeschool kids, number one, being weird isn't such a bad thing. In fact, it brings a beautiful level of real uniqueness. Number two, age mixing can have a multitude of benefits in addition to being great prep for adulthood number three socializing is so much bigger than just making some friends our own age okay and here are two more gold nuggets just for good measure number one in your homeschool or if you're in the midst of building a homeschool community start with something you love and number two it's okay and even very good to set boundaries and standards and make decisions about what you'll allow to detract from your day and your capacity and finally mamas You are doing beautiful work.